Revelation 21, I want you to notice again, verse 4, the Apostle John testifies to a very familiar promise in the Word of God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, and neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Now, of course, what's familiar about this promise is that if you read your Bible, or if you've ever attended a funeral, you've heard this before. Way back in the book of Isaiah, God's prophet spoke what John is basically quoting here in Revelation. You'll see it on the screen. He will swallow up death and victory, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from off all faces. Now, beloved, let me say this before we pray. We just concluded on Wednesday nights a series of studies on the book of Genesis, the foundational book of Scripture. And what struck me two weeks ago in Genesis 45 was the emphasis at the very end of that book on all of the weeping and all of the tears of Joseph. Genesis 45, 1 says, Joseph wept aloud, closed the door inside, but it says he wept aloud, and all the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard it outside of that room. And then the very last verse, the last words of the book in Genesis 50 say this, and Joseph died. And that chapter, the last chapter, begins in verse 1 with these words, and Joseph fell upon his father's face and wept. First book of the Bible basically begins with a broken heart in that garden, and then it continues with Abraham weeping and mourning for Sarah in chapter 22, and it concludes just as it began with the tears of Joseph and all of the patriarchs. And from that foundation, all the way through the Bible, and all the way through the history of men and nations, there is weeping and mourning and a flood of tears until, until we come to the last book of the Bible and the last chapter of the last book of the Bible, where the Holy Spirit reveals that one day the tears and all of the reasons for those tears will be wiped away. Verse 4, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Father, I pray you'll help us this morning to know and understand why in the prophets and in the last words of this great book, the eternal word of God, why you have given us this promise and this prophecy. May we embrace it and understand why we embrace it, please, today, in Jesus' name, amen. There are three things I want you to notice concerning this promise and prophecy regarding our tears. Three specific truths. The first one you'll notice is that, number one, tears are common. Verse 4, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Now, wait a minute. All tears from their eyes. Who's there? Whose eyes? Well, you'll notice the verse before, verse 3 says, His people, that is, all of His people. Remember how Isaiah put it on the screen earlier, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. Now, wait a minute. All faces of all of His people? Yes, because all of us cry. All of us shed tears. And you know, it's an interesting choice of words because 
not all of us, not everyone in this room has the exact same face, right? In fact, look at the person next to you right now. Just look at them. Repeat after me. I'm glad. Say it. I'm glad that I don't look like you. <clears throat> About 100 were looking at me, so I don't know. I, I lost. <laughs> in other words, look, not everyone has the same face. Face recognition technology is a real thing because people's faces are so very different. There are brown and black and white and freckled faces just in this room alone. Here in Revelation, the tears are wiped away from people's faces. And then again, the Bible says, from their eyes in Revelation. And again, everyone has different eyes. Biometric iris recognition is also a real thing. Everybody has different faces and different eyes. But the one thing, all the faces... And all of the eyes have in common in all of the world is the presence of tears. When you come into this world, wherever it was, whenever it was, you were met instantly with tears. An infant's tears and a mother's tears. Hers both of pain and tears of joy. Tears at birth, yes, and you can be sure there will be tears at the end when there's tears of death. In fact, I don't know if you've ever thought about that. Life literally begins with tears. And life ends with tears. And all of the years in between those two times, there's a, tra- a trail of tears that mark the way. Tears, again, are common. People may forget how to laugh, but nobody forgets how to cry. Jeremiah was a great, great man of God, but not for nothing is he called in the scriptures the weeping prophet. John chapter 11, at the funeral of Lazarus, we are told that Jesus wept. In Hebrews 5, 7, in the garden, before Calvary, Hebrews tells us a great shed of tears that Jesus wept. Overlooking Jerusalem in Luke chapter 19, the Bible says our Lord cried tears. At least three times we're told Jesus wept, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Folks, Jesus was God in the flesh, and tears came down his holy face. When the great apostle Paul said goodbye in Acts chapter 20 to the elders at Ephesus, he summed up his entire ministry and said, I have served the Lord with all humility of mine and with many tears. Later in the same text, he says, I cease not. To warn everyone day and night, what, with tears. When he wrote to Timothy, he said, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears. Whatever Timothy was weeping and crying about, Paul was mindful of those tears. Rivers of water run down mine eyes, the psalmist wrote. You know, once in a while, some preacher boy will ask me some advice about church and so on. And sometimes they ask me about the church office or the pastor's study. And they'll say, what's the most important thing for a pastor to have in his office? And of course, they usually expect me to say something like a computer with, with Bible software or a specific library or a phone system or, or a putting green. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> what's the most important thing to have in a, a pastor's office? I always tell them, this right here. For your tears, 
and their tears. And beloved, the very reality, everybody, some people shed a lot of tears, some people few, but everybody sheds tears. And the very reality that God has to wipe the tears away from all of the faces and all of their eyes is a reminder that as long as we're in this life, and as long as we're on this earthly pilgrimage, there will be tears in our eyes. And until this promise that we just read together is finally fulfilled, God's people shall know how to cry. It's a reminder, too, by the way, that if our Lord Jesus and Paul and Jeremiah and Job and Elisha and Timothy and David, all of them wept, it is perfectly acceptable for you to weep as well. In fact, the Bible admonishes us, almost commands us, really, to weep with them who weep. Tears are common. That's number one. The second thing I want you to notice, number two, is that tears are caused. In other words, everybody doesn't cry in the same way that everybody breathes. It's not just automatic or accidental. It's not in that way part of life. Tears are caused. They're caused in large part by life's events, specific events. Well, you don't know my wife, Pastor. Sometimes when I say, why are you crying? She says, I don't know why I'm crying. Well... You realize just because she doesn't tell you the reason doesn't mean there's not a reason. There is a reason. And for the young men in this room who are newly married or getting married, let me just assure you something. My advice, go ahead and assure that you're the reason she's crying. <laughs> well, Pastor, she just said she doesn't know why she's crying, so I'm off the hook. Oh, no, you are not off the hook in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> Tears are caused. And yes, right here in Revelation 21, many of those reasons and those causes are noted in verse 4. You see the word death? You see the word sorrow? And the word pain? Let me ask you something. What brings more tears than death and dying? The casket, the grave, the sorrowful goodbyes? The very first funeral I ever conducted, I was 21 years of age. Port Huron, Michigan, two little caskets, twin girls, seven years of age. And boy, the tears. The tears that flowed... I was never so lost as to what to do or how to comfort. The second funeral I ever did was in Fort Lauderdale. Louise flew down with me from Chicago to meet my parents. We'd gotten engaged, and while visiting my grandparents, a teenage girl drowned in a canal with her fiancé. They were close friends to my grandmother, so my grandma said, Jimmy, do you mind doing the funeral? I said, I will. Her Vietnamese mother wept so long and so deeply, I felt as though I couldn't speak. That's when I learned that tears are a language. You know, it's hard to talk when you're weeping. You can't talk. Because the tears are doing the talking. Tears themselves are a language. Six days after my second funeral... I conducted the third funeral of my life. That was my beloved grandpa who died of throat cancer in that funeral home near Davie was my grandmother, my mother, my father, my brothers, my sister, my fiance, uncles, aunts, cousins, and Grandpa Tommy's long, long, long time workers. All of them were weeping. I was 22 and never so lost as to what to do or what to say. Since those three funeral services, there have been scores, hundreds, hundreds of funerals and memorial services I've conducted, including my own father, 
my grandmother, my sister, my wife, and in every one of them, tears, theirs and mine, tears as a reminder that death is our enemy and the cause for so much of our weeping. But that's not all. You see that word in verse 4, the word sorrow? It's an important word. It covers the sorrows of life. For example, do you know that people weep because of distress over need and over poverty and over loss? People weep. I wept with someone last night over financial issues, can't pay their bills, can't meet the demands, can't afford clothes, can't save for a a mortgage from foreclosure, can't provide for tomorrow's demands, and people weep over that. It's hard for us, most of us, including me in this room, to identify with, with these kind of people, the majority of the people in the world who literally live from hand to mouth day after day after day, but they do. And then, of course, there's also tears because of sin and Satan that people weep. In chapter 20 that crossed the page, you'll notice the first verse. I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand, and he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan. Now, folks, you can talk about going all the way back to the very first book and the first words of the Bible. That serpent in the garden is the same one who attacked Jesus in the wilderness. The same one who attacked Peter by the fire and Paul on his journeys. The Bible says that Satan comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. All three of those bring tears to people's eyes. Well, Pastor, I don't believe it's some spiritual darkness that leads to injustice or pain. I don't believe in a literal devil, to, you know, to, to poverty. I believe it's policy. I believe that it's government. Okay. But do you know who God says is behind the policies and was behind the policies of men like Herod and Caiaphas and Augustus and Xerxes? And you don't think that Hitler and Pol Pot and and Stalin and and Mao, all atheists, by the way, were moved and motivated by the devil and his demons that destroyed and caused so much weeping on this planet. It was our Lord Jesus who said that Satan's seat on earth was in a city in Rome at that time. Now, there are terrible, power-hungry haters of truth in this world, and all of them, with their policies will lead and can lead to someone else's tears. Some of them are in Washington, D.C. right now. And they try to destroy people, and it leads to tears, heartbroken or fearful, disillusioned and discouraged. Terrible people make life terrible for other people. You know, there's an amazing story in 2 Kings, a remarkable story of King Ben-Hadad. He sends his servant, Haziel, to Elisha to get word of his king's sickness. And the Bible says that when Elisha saw Ben-Hadad's messenger, God also showed Elisha the future. And what happened? You see the scripture. And he settled his countenance. Elisha settled his countenance steadfastly until he was ashamed. And the man of God wept. You know why? Verse 12. 
And Hazel said, Why weepeth my Lord? And he answered, Because I know the evil that thou wilt do unto the children of Israel. The man of God, it says, wept. And why were there tears? Why did he weep? Because he saw where his nation was headed. He saw the kind of leader who would soon be in power. Do you ever want to cry for your country? Do you ever weep for the nation that God has blessed you with? Prophets did. Matter of fact, the Lord Jesus did, as we noted, when he looked down over Jerusalem from that hill and he knew what they were about to endure in one generation. Both these men wept just over the prospect of some coming sorrow. Sorrows, again, that are caused by other people. Sorrows that are caused, yes, by policies, but motivated by the devil. The verse I mentioned in Psalm 119, I didn't quote all of it. It says in Psalm 119, 136, Rivers of water run down mine eyes because they keep not thy law. Broken. So that, yes, leaders can cause you to weep just by their sheer rebellion against God and against the word of God. You know, when our president lights up our White House with rainbow colors but wouldn't do it for blue for our police, forcing bathrooms because an agenda is more important than the innocence of little children, oh, pastor, you're just ignorant. You're intolerant. Can I tell you what ignorance is? Ignorance is allowing a man run in a woman's 800 meter and win the gold and literally rob three other women of something they work their entire lives for. That silver should have been gold. That bronze should have been silver. And that youngest girl should have meddled but did not. Meaning instead of having tears of joy, she had tears of defeat. And precisely because. Precisely because of blindness and darkness. Spiritual darkness, much less ignorance. Oh, Reverend Blaylock, you're so divisive this morning. I'm not coming back. You know what's really divisive since you're not coming back? This past Wednesday, two police officers in New York City were trying to protect an innocent woman. And as they started to arrest one of the violators, 15 thugs, undocumented, came, surrounded the cops and kicked and beat their heads and beat them senseless. And only because New York City has a camera literally everywhere did they identify and capture five of those attackers. But within hours, all five were released without bail because they're in a sanctuary city. And you're not allowed to keep illegals in jail in a sanctuary city. How about you? How about you go beat up a cop and see what happens? Palm Beach Post. Pastor says go beat up cops. I don't know. (laughs) But beloved, that's injustice. That's divisive. And yes, tears. Tears from little children who watch a video of their daddy being kicked in the head over and over and over again. And tears from a wife whose husband almost lost his life at the hands of young criminals while they're still uh, walking the streets and laughing about it. Tears. We said, number one, tears are common. Number two, tears are caused. The third thing I want you to notice, number three, is that tears are conquered. This is vital. This is why the promise is given. Look at our text again. Revelation 21, 4, and God shall wipe away. Can I just say this? 
Social policies are not going to wipe them away. Pharmaceuticals are not going to wipe them away. Positive thinking, every day is Friday or whatever, not going to wipe them away. But God can. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. In other words, see, not only does God wipe away the actual tears, but he then eliminates every cause for every tear so that there shall be no more crying. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more pain. One of the great writers of the last century was famous for saying this. Life's struggles are best met with salt water Either sweat or tears or the sea. The first time I ever read that quote, I thought about heaven where God says that there is no sweat of the brow, the curse. That there will be no more tears once he wipes them away. And there's no sea except for the sea of glass. In other words, while we labor in heaven, there's no sweat of the curse. And while we joy in heaven, there are no tears. And while there's a sea in heaven. There's no danger of separation. It's a reminder, beloved, that God knows how to dry our tears for all of eternity. And I say eternity because here, there, we'll never say goodbye. Today is Rick's birthday. And John and, and, and Haley's and a bunch of other people's, I think. So Thursday, Ben and I drove up for their family outing, which was at Epcot, Epcot at night. And of course, when I got there, I told KK I'd buy her a souvenir. We happened to be in that huge store in Japan. She's looking around with her dad and her sisters and I want this one, this one. Papa, can I get one of these two? Or I don't know which one to decide. That means get me both always. <laughs> I don't know which one to get. So she puts it back and she keeps looking. And the whole park was jam-packed, including the store. Finally, Crystal calls. We couldn't find a place to sit down to eat a snack even. And she calls and says, I found a place. I got some tables. Come on over. We went over there in this little pavilion and we couldn't sit together, but that was fine. Table over here, table, three or four tables. Great. Just as we were finished eating, Crystal gets a phone call from Japan. And the store says like, Erigato, you left Kaylin here in Japan. I mean, this was literally 30, home alone, except I said, Kaylin! Not Kevin. <laughs> and thankfully, she did not have my credit card. Amen. <laughs> also, thankfully, because we were oblivious, eating all food, doing our thing. Nobody said, anybody have Kaylin? She's running around Japan looking for mom. <laughs> and thankfully, she memorized her mom's phone number. So she'd go to a manager, and that's good parenting, I guess. I just want to remind all of you moms in here, this is the same lady in charge of our nursery. Okay, just saying. <laughs> People are getting up and leaving now. I see that. They're not here today. They're up at my neighbor's, uh, my nephew's wedding. But you know, separation, whew. The tears of losing someone. Not anymore. 
I was thinking about some folks that we said goodbye to the other day. I texted Sally Bird. She had a fall and she hurt herself. And I was talking with someone who knew Tim very well. And I, I got all teary-eyed because I miss him. But not anymore and not ever. We used to close our church service when I was in college. Every single service we would sing, we'll never say goodbye in glory in the morning over yonder. God knows how to wipe away all tears from our eyes. So the beloved over and over again, he has promised us that the cause for our tears will be gone. And folks, the reason why this truth is stressed by God himself is that we sorrow, but he wants us to remember every day through the midst of the tears, we sorrow, but not as others who have no hope. Those are the bitterest of tears. You know, when you held your little child, weeping child, and brushed away the tear with a simple kiss on their head and a warm embrace and the assurance that your child was not alone, and that little child buried its tears in your arms and found a measure of assurance and, and your promise to carry on, that's what you did for that child. But God loves His children far more than we do ours. And His promises are far better than ours. And His arms are eternally stronger than ours. So that you know what? When He says, weeping may endure for the night, but joy cometh in the morning, you can believe it. You know that one day it will be morning. I was thinking about the sinful woman who anointed Jesus' feet at Simon the Pharisee's house. You know, the Bible says in Luke chapter 7 that she began to weep. She began to weep and literally washed Jesus' feet with her tears. She was crying. But why? What were those tears for? Well, I can tell you the religious elite didn't know, and they were there. Simon himself, the host, he didn't know. In fact, he was annoyed by her tears. But at the end of the narrative, Jesus says to Simon, Seest thou this woman? He knew his thoughts, and he knew hers. He says, Simon, you seest thou this woman? She hath washed my feet with her tears. He saw her tears. And then he said to her, Thy sins, woman, thy sins are forgiven. Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. Shalom. In other words, God knew, Jesus knew exactly what those tears were from and what those tears are for. I saw you weeping during the choir special. I saw you. God saw those tears as well. And far more than me, he knows what those tears are for and from. He sees every tear. He knows exactly what they mean from your heart. And he remembers them. When I was a boy, we were living in Wichita Falls, Texas. My dad was stationed there in the 1960s, and I'll never forget down the road, down the street from our house was an older couple, a couple that would see me walking by and would always open the door and invite me in and ask how I was doing. And every single time, they would lead me over to a little candy dish, a candy dish that always had the exact same little party mints. You know those little white ones that have the different color jellies on the inside? 
and, and they disappear really quick. They're so amazing. <clears throat> and they would say, take some, and I would take them, and then say, now take a bunch of them for your brothers and your sister, and I did, although my brothers never, ever saw them. <laughs> because, you know, my pockets are full. I'd eat them while I was walking over to the, the RCO station and then to the pet store, and and I'd look at the fish in the aquarium. I had this little routine that I did, and then down the road to my friend's house. They never, ever made it to my brothers. Well, up in Orlando, I saw those same little mints in a bowl. And I went over, I saw them, and I took some. And I put them in my mouth, and instantly, it transported me back to my childhood. So I went back and got some more. <laughs> did not take them to Benjamin. I ate them all. And, you know, it's, I know it's called old people's candy, but they are so good. And for me, so full in those moments of just instant memories flooding my heart. And as I ate them, I realized that that was over 60 years ago. That the taste of something, the sight of something, 60 years is a whole lot of water under the bridge. With all of the joys and the glory and the blessing with those waters, a lot of tears. And I thought about David's poetic praise. Way back in the 68th Psalm where he cries out to God, you may remember, he says, my tears, are they not in thy book? Put them in thy bottle. David's the one who said, rivers of water, are they not, Lord God, in thy book? Put them in thy bottle. David testified that God records our tears, and in so many ways. Tears are like my boyhood candy, a reminder that this life is short. Sixty years like that, and I still remember it like that. And life is sweet, and life is sacred, and sometimes life is sorrowful. But in the end, in the end, it is nothing but victory and glory and joy and praise forever and ever. And so we sing that song. We shall sing on that beautiful shore the melodious songs of the blessed. And our spirits shall sorrow no more, not a sigh, for the blessing of rest. And God's people said, our heads are bowed, please, and our eyes are closed. I wonder who'd say this morning, Pastor Blaylock, I'm a believer. I'm a Christian, but I needed this reminder. The Bible says that we sorrow, but not as others who have no hope. Jesus wept. You're supposed to weep. It's good to weep for your country. It's good to weep with those that weep who've lost a loved one. If you have pain in your body and it brings tears, that's normal. It's a broken, fallen world. The prophets wept. But through those tears, they had faith. Always, always, God gave them grace and faith. But that's the victory. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Pastor, I'm here today and I'm a Christian, but I needed this reminder. I needed the truth of God's word as opposed to the lies in the darkness of this world. And there's a need in my heart, or God has spoken to my heart, with no one looking. Who would say that? Would you lift your hands up through the building and amen? Praise God for all of you. Just know this. And God wants you to know this. Not Pastor Blaylock. God wants you to know this. I have seen thy tears. That's what he says. I have seen them. And he knows why. He knows what they're for. And he has wept with you. 
If you're here today and you're not sure that you're saved, could I say this to you? The same text that we read from this morning tells it that there is a water of life, a fountain of water. And Jesus says, I will give unto him that is thirsty the fountain of water of life freely. Freely. Salvation is a gift of God paid for by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And right there in your pew right now, you can receive that gift. You have to recognize that you're a sinner. You're lost because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And if you call upon the name of the Lord and receive this gift of eternal life, he will save you. Do that there. Do that now. Whatever God has spoken to your heart about, I hope you'll obey his voice. Father, thank you for your word today. And Lord, in this, in this world, in this life, and we thank you that in your word you have not hidden the truth about heartaches and sorrows and griefs and sins that cause all of those sorrows. Thank you that you have shown us in your word that when you, when God became flesh and that when Christ dwelt among us, he wept. And he is touched not with our infirmities, but the Bible says, your word says, with the feelings of our infirmities. We thank you. Help us never forget it. For those who are your people in this room, may they have faith and courage and strength to go on, knowing that all of us one day will never say goodbye in glory. And the pain and the death and the sorrow and the results of sin will no longer be there. Until then, give us faith and courage to go forward for those in this room that are not sure about salvation. I pray, God, that they will make sure today. Today is the day of salvation for them, please. Bless the invitation in Jesus' precious name. Amen.